yes, 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 yes. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the J&J Talk Sports Podcast. Make sure you follow the podcast page on Instagram and Twitter at J&J Talk Sports. And if you haven't yet already, click that subscribe button on Apple's iTunes podcast app, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I am one of your two co-hosts this evening, Justin, quote, unquote, Mr. Unlimited Palizzi. <laughs> and joining me this week, like every other week, one of my two overly large-sized co-hosts, Lyle Styles. How's it going, buddy? We're going we're gonna to get into the questions about your new nickname, wherever, <laughs> that, Unlimited. wherever that came from. Um, yeah, you didn't see the Russell Wilson video yet? Oh, fair enough. Okay, so you're just being the corniest him. man alive. I, I Okay. I mean, listen, I, it makes sense. Um, again, it's your boy, Lyle Style, L-Y-L-E-S-S-T-Y-L-E on the Twitters and add a 512 on the Instagrams. We have a lot to get into, Ooh, of definitely. course. Um, so, of course, by we're going to get into it by talking about people opting out of it. And that's the NFL. NFL. The uh, opt-out the opt-out period has concluded. Uh, Buffalo fans take a deep breath because your your cornerback decided not to opt out. Yep. Though y'all were like yelling at him about opting. I don't know. Buffalo fans too many. Davis White, right? Yeah, too many. Um, you know, concussions for you know for table jumping and slamming your head to the ground. Um, but a couple. Let's go over a couple players opting out before we hit the big Jets Giants names. Coleman, Sean Coleman, offensive tackle, cancer, so he's out. Josh Doxson whatever. He's a champion informant. Lucas Liang, guard for the It's a big one. Opted up. Uh, Sam Beal for the Giants. Juwan James for Denver. Damian Williams. Hightower and Chung for the Pats. Uh, kind of the biggest... And those, and, those are, and those are some pretty... Not pretty big names, but those are more of the important ones. Uh, there's a lot of players. I think there was like 68 or 67 players total. I think it was that. 69. Yeah, nice. something like that uh, opted out. And these players all that we just named right now, for the majority of, of their teams, they're, they're significant pieces. I mean, Sean Coleman suffered from cancer before. That's why he, he opted out. And he was... Supposed to be one of the starting, uh, the starting right tackle for the 49ers. Josh Donson for the Jets. I mean, I just <laughs> I heard that one. Uh, Lucas Niang is, is a big one, though, and Damian Williams are a big one because those are two players, two starters from the, the Super Bowl defending champs, Kansas City Chiefs. But let's do a little, a little, little pivot here, Lyle, for fantasy purposes now. As we all know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire drafted to the Chiefs out of LSU in that second round. Well, he was drafted in the first round. No, the first running back taken the last pick in the first round. So now he pretty much stands alone in that backfield with Damian Williams opting out. Now, he was already going at the ending of the second, beginning of the third round. Do you kind of have the cojones to kind of take him in the ending of the first now? Depending on, I guess, what other running backs are there. Like, would you take him over Josh Jacobs? Would you take him over Miles Sanders? Uh, I'd probably take him over Miles Sanders, but yeah, now you really have to look at them, uh, look at them, because if you look at their running back depth, it's who we're talking about now, Hilaire and Darwin Thompson. But it's yeah, Hilaire's going to get touches, and with that offense, yeah, he's going to be the he'll guy. Get, he'll get a lot of you know. You definitely have to consider taking him a little bit earlier for fantasy purposes. Yep, and then the Pats. Had a bunch of players actually. Their entire line, their all their starting linebackers opted out. 
or have been traded. Patrick Chung as Chung is gone. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's tank for Trevor time. <laughs> tank for Trevor. Well, we'll see. I mean, being how the division looks thus far in the AFC East, I mean, they're, they're pushing eight, nine wins just based off that. We'll just see what Belichick and Cam Newton could do together. Now, that spotlight, the two biggest losses for the Jets now since the last time we Boy, spoke. Uh, did we not mention the Adams trade? We did mention the Adams trade last time, right, that we spoke. So now uh, the latest addition to the defense, C.J. Mosley was also has also opted out. Boy, and okay. then for the Giants, it's Nate Solder. And I think Lyle, out of all the players who opted out, Nate Solder – Say what you want about the guy. He's still an important piece for the Giants starting left tackle. And say what you want about C.J. Mosley only playing two quarters for the Jets since he signed that big contract with them. Both players are tremendously into what the Giants and Jets planned on doing this year. Well, as you heard me last time, I was hyped for C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley would have quarterbacked that defense. And again, those two quarters he played, our defense was on point. Now, at the second C.J. Mosley up and out, I get a text from Nick. Lyle, weren't you just gassing up C.J. Mosley and how he's going to make our defense amazing? And I'm like, yeah. So this is a – I think C.J. Mosley's a big loss. The only thing that's really cushioning that blow is that we got tackling machine Avery Williamson back. Now, Avery Williamson's no C.J. Mosley, but at least it's not, you know, parking lot scrub number three coming in for middle linebacker. And Avery was a big part of what you guys did back in 2018. Last year, he suffered the ACL. So hopefully, hopefully you could see him kind of, you know, at least go back to a little bit of what he was before yeah. as, even, he, even as he gets 90, his legs underneath him. Yeah, and that's one thing. I'm glad we have the depth at middle linebacker that we yeah. luckily do. Uh, but I, CJ is a huge loss. I think it's a bigger loss than Nate Solder is for the Giants. But the Giants weren't going to be very good next year anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not the point anyways, neither were the Jets. The point being is you want to see Barkley kind of kind of get over that second-year hump that he, he struggled with last year. You kind of want to see Daniel Jones take that next step. And it's a good thing that we drafted Andrew Thomas. We were going to draft a tackle regardless because now he's gonna, probably going to go ahead and slide into that left tackle role. The thing is, what happens when Nate Soda does he come back? Do you make him adjust and go play right, right tackle next year? After the rookie already held down the left tackle position, do you just flip-flop them again, give Soda back his position, and let Andrews go play right tackle? I guess that's next year's problem, but right now, we'll just slide the rookie in at the left tackle position and, and see where it takes us from there. We have some news coming out of Dallas. One, and I mean, listen, I'm a Cowboy. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I am a Cowboy hater. They play in my division. We play them twice a year. But nonetheless, and 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 you know this more than anyone because you guys had Everson Griffin. Uh, he was a, he's a former Jets for two minutes, but nonetheless, he signed a one-year, six million dollar deal with the Cowboys, and that's a great move for them. Not knowing what's going to happen with Gregory Randy and his suspension. He had like a domestic, a domestic dispute, but they don't know what's going to happen with him. But this is a great signing for them at only $3 million guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, you know, good, good for the Cowboys. They're going to go a nice 8-8, uh, eight eight, maybe make the playoffs and uh, go out the first round. What, what are your thoughts about – Jerry Jones coming out and saying that fans will be in the stands for every home game this season for the Cowboys. I mean, I mean, listen, uh, down there, nothing makes sense to be what they're doing in Texas. They played with uh, a fan, well, fans in the MLS stadium down there recently, even though, um, you know, they had to bow out of the opening tournament because like half the team had COVID. So, I mean, there's that. Um, 
So, I mean, and Houston postpones uh, not having fans for at least their first game. Right, I mean, right. do I believe this is what Jerry wants to do? Yes. Will the government let him? So far, probably. Um, they'll probably allow the stadium at half capacity. But I, I don't know. I don't know the logistics of it, but I believe Jerry will have will have fans in the stands, if and they'll show up. Yeah, if it's for the better the better part of, of later this year, and when I'm like, for a lack of a better term, for if it's for the benefit of the country, or 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 like if it's because COVID is kind of kind of gaining its way away from us in the past, and it's just something in the rear view mirror. And it's not going to be that. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be like the flu. It's going to come back around season. Or it may be year long, and just we may just have to fight it when we get it. But nonetheless, if he's seating people in the stands because it's 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 things are getting better, and 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 they have a plan going forward, and they're going to social distance in the stadium, then go for it. I mean, if you can, go ahead. At the end of the day, states aren't doing what. And and for those of you listening out there, if you're from New York, then you understand what we're going through. But if you're from the South, if you're from the Central U.S. from from the West from Cali, wherever. I mean, even California is doing horrible right now. New York has been on shutdown. We haven't been we haven't been granted anything. The Giants and Jets have already canceled all the games. Not sure about the Bills. I'm assuming the Bills are going to do the same thing. So, listen, they do it, and and it's it's a good time for them to do it. I mean, they stuck by it. Like I said, the football gods want this season to happen. So <laughs> I think whatever the NFL does is going to be with good spirits. Let's just hope that not everybody is pulling what that undrafted Seahawks cornerback rookie did trying to sneak a girl in wearing a Seahawks hoodie. As long as players aren't doing stupid things like that, I think the NFL will be fine going forward. Two things speaking of about going forward, the future at the tight end position for both the Chiefs and the 49ers has been solidified. Both Kelsey and Kittle both inked in deals two days ago, both generating about $15 million a year. Uh, George Kittle went first. He signed a five-year, $75 million extension, putting him at $15 million per year. Kelsey pretty much did the same thing, four years at 57 extension giving him a base out of about 14 and about 14.3 per year. Deserving so low, I mean, they're pretty much getting about, what, $2 million less per year than the than what the franchise tag would be had it been a wide receiver. So they're getting paid basically wide receiver money here. I mean, they're basically wide receivers, just yeah. bigger. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, they, they those are two players that you can give that kind of money to because they are. And they block. They do, they do more than just – Run no, they're, 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 they're first options. They're first options. They are essentially number one ride receivers with bigger bodies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate any of these deals. I don't think there's any other titans that deserve this kind of money. I agree. So, yeah, it's fair. It's fine. I, Mark, I, uh, Mar- I feel like Mark Andrews, as long as Lamar Jackson is relevant in this league and he's on the Ravens, Mark Andrews could get that kind of money because he is – him and Boyle, I mean, they got rid of Hurst this offseason, traded him to the Atlanta Falcons. But him and Boyle are going to run that, that, 11, that 11 personnel double tight end, which is what the Ravens are going to do, regardless of who that second tight end is, because they like to run the ball with Lamar and run the read option and pull it, throw it to the tight end. Andrews could possibly see that money. I'm not saying 15 sure. million a year, but he'll, he'll see the next tier, you know, like 12 and a half, yeah. maybe 13, because he's a very vile point to that Ravens offense, and they just got rid of Hurst, who was a first-round pick the same year that they drafted uh, Andrew. So we'll move on here to some NHL talk because here in New York, we are being represented 
lovely in the NHL bubble up in Toronto by the New York Islanders. However, before we touch up on that, Lyle, do you want to give me a little bit of what happened with the with the Rangers in the bubble and how they just, just lost three games to none? I mean, they got yeah. decent goaltending out of Ludquist in his possibly last two games as a Ranger. But ultimately, they didn't score on the power play. They didn't score enough offense. What was it well, that the, they could The problem make? was Carolina was just too physical for us. We we are not a physical team. Carolina mm-hmm. just muscled us. And, you know, we lost, which is fine. Again, we weren't expected to do much this year. We're, we're, we're at the middle the middle of the beginning of a rebuild. Um, I mean, you know, we got we got Had a schedule. Had a schedule for sure. Got the first pick going into next year. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah, we uh, the, we are probably going to – we have two first-rounders this year, by the way, not yeah. just one. We do have the number one pick, and we have Carolina's first-round pick, wherever that may land. We're going to get uh, Lafreniere, most likely. I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Score. Uh, who is who is compared to a player like Pasternak. He's, he's going to be – you know, he's, he's like a step below McDavid Crosby in terms of what his talent is, but I'm talking about like step below as in not Crosby McDavid, but like Stamkos, Pasternak. Right, We're talking right, about right. Top 10 potential. And uh, I ain't mad about it. Now the question is, what do we do with the second pick? Who knows? I wouldn't actually, you know, there's some rumors. There's some rumblings that we're going to package that along with Kreider and trade that, trade them both for uh, Eichel. They just, they just signed Kreider, though. I'd take Eichel any day. Yeah, of course we just signed him, but we can still trade him. He has no, right. he doesn't have a no trade clause. Yeah, but I, there's, I there's Eichel rumors. There's a bunch of rumors for a bunch of centers. But yeah, I think we're looking good. The big question is the king, Hendrik Lundqvist. Do we buy him out? Does he retire on his own, or do, do we keep him for him? another year? I think we're gonna end up. I think we're gonna end up buying it out, buying him out. I don't think he retires. So does that own. does that mean that the Rangers end up bringing back Georgie because Shosturkin is is he's gonna be your your starting goaltender mm-hmm. going forward? Now, do you want to let another young talent like Georgie? Because Georgie was what, ten and one, ten and two. Yeah. As a I goalkeeper, think, then he got hurt. So like you even for all you know, he's the better goalkeeper than Shashirkin. Well, that's why I think we keep the both Shashirkin and Georgie. But I think we buy if if Lundqvist doesn't retire. If he re- what if he doesn't retire and he doesn't want to play for another team and he says just give him one more year? Like what do you do? Are you gonna treat this like the Knicks and, and treat it like a Ewing situation and go see him play for another year? Play I think, with another I think we have ball? to we have to buy him out. I think he's as much as I love him and I met him on the Metro North. He's a great guy. Great family, lovely people. Very good looking. But like, it's business. Yeah, buy yeah. him out. You move on. It's time. It's time. And that hurts for me to say. I, I'm a I'm a big Henrik fan. Yeah, no, time. for sure. I mean, listen, he he was drafted in what 2000s. Played uh, basically was, 20 years with the he's team. Richter's successor. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, we'll move on here to the Islanders to talk a little bit about them. Right now, they are leading this series against the Capitals 2-0, and it's been pretty amazing what they've been able to do. Barry Trouts has, has has that team playing on another level, level offensively. And not only that, but he's been able to mix and match each of the lines with the defense. And the Islanders are getting good play from a bunch of players, players like Bailey and Nelson. And I mean, Pajals, Pajals he's been one of their better players all, all year. But Bailey and Nelson have been playing very well. And you got to give it to them, Lau. They, they've outscored the Capitals 9-4. to four. Granted that they've been struggling on the power play, 0 for 3 in game one. I don't know what the stats were on were on game two last night, 
But they were down 2-0, going into the second period with three minutes left, and then they, they just poured it on. They scored a couple of goals there. They pounced on them in the third period, scoring another two goals there. And now they're looking at a series that they're in control, 2-0 against the Capitals. But if there's a team that has proven in the past to come back from 2-0, it's, it is Ovechkin and his Capitals team. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. All credit to Barry Trotz. He's, he's, you know, he's been a very consistent coach since 2003. Missed the playoffs three times since 03. You know, he, he, he's, you know, he won. Uh, he was the coach of the Capitals when they won their Stanley Cup in uh, 2017-2018. He's a very good coach. He knows what he's doing, and you know, uh-huh. he's taken this scrappy, scrappy is the best way I can describe Islanders team. With no one who's like a glaring like elite player, someone who's just like a superstar above. It's, I mean, they have a few that would get there. Yeah, but you know, he's turned a, a youngish team who lost, you know, Tavares, you know, at a high profile, who was their big, big star, and he's turned this into a team. He's turned it into yep. a functioning system team that that works hard. They play hard, um, and you know that that's that's the best you can ask for from a coach. Yeah, and he's I'm, he's done his job. Yeah, and then you have to give some credit to Varlamov, who is playing fantastic at the goalkeeper position. Mm-hmm. 93% save rate right now, which is tr- tremendous. Allowed 11 goals in the six games that they played so far in this bubble. And they're doing this with uh, one of their starting defenders in Johnny Boychuk as well, who got hurt that first game, I believe, and hasn't returned since. So good stuff by the Islanders there. I think they just have to continue their power play. And look, if you look at the bracket, and I'll pull that up just really quickly for you, Lyle, they're going to end up versing the, the winner of the series between the four and the five. Um, it's the Bruins and the Hurricanes. And they could be both of those teams easily. So you're looking at a potential Eastern Conference finals appearance by the Islanders, a team that, that just lost to Vares three years ago, and they've, they've hit the stride running since that. It'll, it'll ultimately come down probably to the, to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Philadelphia Flyers coming out the East. But nonetheless, the Islanders are definitely representing. Intriguing fact here, though, 96% of teams who are up 2-0 in the NHL playoffs tend to move on. So it's definitely going to be appealing. They play again in two days. So let's see what they do there. Now it's time for one of the better times of the year. It's, it was a little bit delayed. Usually it starts off a little bit earlier in the summer, not later in the summer like it did this year. But you have the Champions League right now. Well, yeah, Champions League would be done if it wasn't for It COVID. would be done exactly right now if it wasn't for COVID. So <laughs> it's time for another edition of Lyle's two-minute Champions League Ooh. soccer recap. Ready, All Lyle? Right. You're on the clock. Okay. We had first we had a couple second legs, Man City versus Real, Man City one two one. Real put up a good fight, but this might be Man City's year. Then Leon scoring that away goal put Juventus to the knife. Goodbye, Cristiano. Goodbye, A. Ron Ramsey. Um, that team, sorry's fired. Uh, that's gonna be an interesting team to look at Juventus to see what they do to try and finally win that Champions League glory. Uh, Barca beat Napoli three one, and Bayern beat Chelsea four one seven one on aggregate. Now, moving on to the quarterfinals and some huge games. Paris Saint-Germain and Mapu Choting out of nowhere saves Paris Saint-Germain from an embarrassment against a very, very fun Atlanta team who gets paid – their entire team gets paid less than Neymar by himself. But Paris Saint-Germain moves on to the semifinals. 
against Red Bull Leipzig and the American hero, former Red Bull New York player, Tyler Adams, scoring the clinching goal in the final breath of that game to move on. Then yesterday, oh boy, Bayern took Barcelona and said, who's your daddy? Repetitively. Dude, 8-2. 8-2. Uh, the, 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 the biggest and most ridiculous goal was their left back, Alfonso Davies, passing to their right back, Joshua Kimmich, for a goal. That's a goal that should never happen, period. That just shows you how dominant they were, that two people on the opposite ends of the defense connected in the middle for a goal. By, uh, Barcelona is about to go through so much change. They're gonna, they got to wipe everyone up from the top. They, I, I, read, I saw that they're going to let the manager go. Oh, they've already let the manager go. It's oh, they did? Go. Okay, okay. Yeah. He's gone. Messi, if I'm Messi, I'm dipping because they have to do a full rebuild. Um, and I could go into depth about that for a ton of time, but I won't. And so Bayern is going to play the winner of today's game, Man City versus Lyon. Man City, heavy favorites. Lyon have some good players. They have nothing to lose. Honestly, I'm hoping Lyon wins because Pep Guardiola is a fraud, uh, a.k.a. Pep Fraudiola. And again, we have our two semifinals of RB Leipzig versus Paris, and then the other one is going to be Bayern versus the unfortunate team who has to play that juggernaut. And see. If, now, I have a question for you, but this is this is not what I'm going to yeah, add. This is, something, this is something that just came up now because I didn't know that there was any thought that Messi would leave. If he did, where would the move be? It wouldn't be in the same league. I'm assuming if, he'd go to another... If Messi were to leave, the two most likely destinations are Man City, because they can afford it. Okay. Um, and That would Memphis. be cheesy. Those are the two most likely destinations. Now that you mention that, because I was going to mention uh, Juventus as, a, as an option. The reason why I say that is now an option is because apparently there is a fear... Out of Italy, that Ronaldo may be leaving Juve, and if so, Lyle, I, I like I said, I don't know too much about the rumors behind that. That's just what was released. I mean, every time a team like Juve gets upset and 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 loses in a Champions League, like the way that they did to a team that, quite frankly, they should have beaten, there's always going to be rumors about a manager change or a team or a player changing teams or whatever the case may be. If that is true. Where could you possibly see Ronaldo ending up? I, maybe back home to Man U? I, no, he's not going back to Man U. Man U wouldn't take him. Honestly, if Ronaldo makes a move at this point in his career, I think he's coming to MLS at this point. Really? I think I think he, he he can still play at the top level. Him and Zlatan are ageless. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. So why, why, why if you still got a few good – Who wants to pay – like he's got to find a place that, A, will cater to the way he plays. B, who wants to pay him? Right. So fan. might as well stay stay in those stay in La Liga, stay in Serie A. Yeah, stay... but who's but you got to look at who's going to pay him. Real Madrid's not going to pay him. Barcelona, he's not going to go to Barcelona. Man City's not going to pay him. United have the front they want. They're going younger. They don't want Cristiano. Chelsea, no shot. So then there's this no, is looking like a bad a bad move for me. He might as well just stay in Juventus. And yeah, just try to continue it's, to either, it's either staying in Juventus, who are trying to dump a lot of wages to bring in some more youth because they are an aging team. Uh-huh. Um, again, that's why they jumped uh, uh, Pijak for Arthur Mello. Let um, Pogba go, idiots. I mean, Pogba, I mean listen, that, that's looking like a good deal for them at the end of the day. Really? Because uh, he has not performed that well. He's not This year? No, no, no. In the past few years, he's not performed that price tag. But that's a whole other conversation. 
But essentially, they're going to look like they're – I mean, it's great news for teams like Arsenal who are going to look for those stars at, like, lower prices because yep. they're going to have Douglas Costa, Higuain, one of the many center backs are going to be available, Ramsey, Rabiot. Hey, so, speaking of Higuain, I read an article and and – he he may be he be making the move to to MLS. Apparently, there's yeah. a rumor that he might be signing with LA Galaxy. So yeah, that'd be pretty chance. cool. I, I've I've always been a Higuain fan, so um, yeah. for sure I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah, Juventus has to drop some some of their old overpriced roster for some for some new players, and we'll see we'll see where they go. Um, it's 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 going to be a really interesting transfer window, which for the which I believe for most uh, most leagues ends October fifth. So I think we're going to have an interesting transfer season. We're going to have a very interesting Champions League. We're going to have some very interesting Europa League games. Um, it's been fun. It's going to be fun. So just a, just a quick thing. With any transfer rumors, 98% of transfer rumors are nonsense. Um, you got to make sure they're sourced right. And, so and you're I, saying that I, I'm, 90, I'm 98% nonsense. So. And I don't get me wrong. I fall into the same <laughs> trap where I'll, I'll see, like, Ronaldo going to, to Arsenal, and obviously it's complete nonsense but like there's there's like the sun sky sports there's so many like big name media that is just awful transfer rumors that's why they call it silly season before we dive into our last segment that was officially the ending of worldwide news we have a very special segment that we like to call on the show lyle goes wild lyle floor is yours so i've uh i've been very uh not hostile not positive or negative. I, I've had a, I have a lot to say about a lot of things, as you all know. Uh, but I want to talk about announcers in a, in a very good light. So during uh, one of these golf tournaments, there was a anchor talking to another anchor. And uh, in the middle of a conversation, one of them rips one of the gnarliest farts of all time. And you could hear it blaringly through the, uh, through the mics. This is hilarious. This is genuine. And, you know, it made me think, like, what is the best sports commentator? What is the best announcer? Do I want the most uh, knowledgeable? Do I want the most descriptive? Or do I want just some good entertainment? Because you think about baseball, and you think about golf, and you think about sometimes even basketball. There are times where you're just sitting there like, this is the most boring thing ever. Great. I'm glad James Harden will dribble for 23 seconds just to throw up a brick. Lovely, you know, and then it just really made me appreciate the good announcers in this world, and even the ones with the the, the, faux, pas, the faux pas, the mistakes, and you know the good commentators. So if you look at you know Clyde, you look at you know the golf guy who farted, you look at uh, you know commentators and Barkley and Shaq, they're not the smartest. They don't usually say the right things, but damn, are they entertaining? Without fans, with the crowd noise. You really hear them. You really focus on what you're hearing, and they got to be good. They got to be entertaining. I will say, you know, bubble NBA announcers have been doing great. Excellent. You know, soccer, excellent. But I'm just worried that once we get back to normal, they're going to go off their game. They're not going to be as entertaining. They're not going to be as fun. And they're not going to be as joyful and jovial because, you'll, you know, they'll have the crowd noise. So they don't need to try as hard. So this is my uh, warning to all of you announcers, commentators, analysts. Keep your game up to here. Keep it here. Because if you drop down, it'll be loud going wild on your face with my words. Not my fist because, like, that's assault and we can't do that. That's loud goes wild. 
And that was Lyle Goes Wild. Lyle, speaking of commentators and announcers, do you have, like, a preference? Like, is there someone specifically out there that, like, you find yourself like, – and I'll give you an example. Like, I hate uh, Sterling for the Yankees. I, I just – I don't like the way he calls his games. I don't like, it is hard, it is far, it is gone. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I just don't like it. So I tend, I, tend, I tend to watch – I'd rather watch it where Michael K calls the game. Maybe because I grew up just listening to Michael Kay and I didn't grow up listening to Yankees on the radio. But, like, do you have a preference? Uh, like, as far yeah, as. Yeah, see, I'm more of the Sterling fan because I listen to the Yankees on the radio much more than go. I watch them. Yeah. And I like, like, yeah, the high and far as God. He had his gimmicks because he had his shtick. But, like, he was also, he is full of. And it just doesn't be the Yankees, just in general. Like, do you, yeah, is there, no, like, like, specific I like, people? I like the more, I like the, the people who really feel into it. I like the people that have their shtick and their gimmick. But also the people that have like fun factors. Like yesterday, um, I'm watching the Yankee game. It's Michael K, Paul O'Neill. Right. And like Michael K, like, yeah, he's cool. But like Paul O'Neill is like, yeah, so I went out and got some bats like that I had signed and is whipping out like cool old school stories yeah. about the Yankees and Kansas City beefing in the 70s. Like, that's the kind of stuff that it really makes you feel like they're into it, not just. Oh, and he is uh, batting 300 from the right, right, side right. against right-handed right corkscrew pitcher. Like, cool. <laughs> I don't need your boring stats. Give me some, give me some dang stories. What, what, it, what are your thoughts on Joe Buck? And as we all yeah. know, his father was a legend, probably the, what, best yeah, announcer of all time. And, and Joe Buck filled his shoes, I think, pretty well. I I can deal with Joe Buck football wise, but when he starts calling like the Yankees in the playoffs, I just I kind of I don't know. It, it may be the, the Yankee to me, but I kind of feel like he he's a little bit biased against the Yankees. Uh, Joe Buck, two thumbs down. Okay, wow. So yeah, dude, yeah. I'm, I feel the same way. Joe Joe Buck can uh, can retire. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Joe Buck, uh, like. All right, let's dive into some baseball here as we kind of kicked off the season a month ago, and I say kind of because COVID struck the first weekend that the baseball kicked off. And I want to start off with some of the more of the surprising team slash players that have been playing, for better or worse. And Lyle, I have a few here that I want to discuss, and I'm kind of contradicting myself here because one of the players and one of the teams are one of the teams that I had suggested would be a sleeper and to make a, a nice little run this year with the expanded playoff situation. But nonetheless, they're playing a lot better than I anticipated. So do you have any players and or teams that have surprised you thus far and that will be whether that may be for better or, or worse? Yeah, I, I guess I have a team that has surprised Well, it could be a player. I'm going to go with a team. And, and I knew that the Red Sox were going to be bad. Well, yeah, they're going to be horrible. I did not – see, that's the thing. I did not know they were going to be this bad. They have oh, no pitching. They have no pitching. Sales not playing. Yeah, and oh. I guess if we, if we want to talk about individual player, Altuve, my dude. Yes. like That and like we, 200, right? Yeah, we knew we knew you were going to be bad because, like, you, you can't cheat anymore because you're a sack of cheating poop. <laughs> but, oh, my God. Yeah. You, yep. Like, you might – I would send you down to AAA at this point. That, he is bad. Is it is it surprising though? Because yeah. I, I I yeah I'm surprised too because I, I like honestly you, do think he's a good player. But like this is this is like with steroids. Like you can take all the steroids you want. You still have to hit the ball. You still have to put bat on ball. Like Altuve, you can cheat all you want. You can know the pitch is coming. You still got to make contact. And Altuve can make contact, but like it is bad. 
and it's great to watch, but it is shockingly bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so some 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 other shocking things. Now this is not what I'm going to discuss, but you got the Marlins in first place, nine and four, seven and three in their last ten. They're in first place by percentage wise, but nonetheless, I mean, Mets are, Mets are nine and twelve. Braves are eleven and ten. I don't care if the Marlins play less games; they're nine and four at the end of the day. I mean. The Braves are only one game above 500, so it's not like all, you know what I mean? Because it's going to end up coming down to one percentage. Not every team is going to play 60 games. You agree? No. Yeah, agreed. So it's going to end up coming down to, to to one percentage. I mean, you can't sit here and say that the Braves deserve it because they have 11 wins. No, I mean they still got 10 losses at the end of the day, and they only have two wins more than what the Marlins have right now. I'm not surprised with what the Cubs are doing. I'm a little bit surprised at what the Reds and the Brewers are doing. The Cardinals. <laughs> It's, I feel so bad for the Cardinals. They're two and three, loud. They've only played five games this season. Well, maybe they five should stop playing games. Rona teams. But five games. I mean, every other team has at least, at, at the very least, tripled the amount of games. Even the Marlins have 13 games played. And they missed almost a full week when this whole thing went yeah. down. It's bad. I mean, I don't feel bad for the Cardinals. I feel bad for the fans. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. No, I feel bad for the Cardinals. Because they're, they're – they're, but nonetheless, the Cardinals are a respected organization. And the fact that they've only been able to show their fans five games this season, it's like, for them, it's like baseball didn't even return. Yeah. it's, it's uh, It really does suck for the fans. I guess it sucks for the players. But I feel bad for the fans who need Cardinals baseball because, you know, yeah. it's So, Rockies are 12-7. and seven. They play two games less than the Dodgers. They're in second place in the NL West. One, two games above... The Padres, one game back of the L.A. Dodgers. Dodgers are playing fantastic baseball. They're 14-7, 7-3 in their last 10 games. They're 8-2 on the road, 6-5 at home. Are you surprised at all at what the, that, at what the Rockies are doing with Justin with Charlie Blackman batting 500 on the season so far? I mean, that's, that's the thing. A shortened season, you know, we're, we're not going to see – if a team gets hot in the shortened season – then they're hot. Like, there's no, like... The Rockies are a good team, though. But I'm just kind of surprised that someone... Like, I mean, listen, DJ LeMay, who's batting 430. So, Justin... Charlie Blackman... I don't know why I keep saying Justin Blackman because I'm thinking of the football player yeah, here. No, I know. <laughs> um, I Charlie, Charlie Blackman is batting 500. And, like I said, DJ LeMay, who's batting 430. What I was going to get at, right? So, let's see if this could be sustainable. What my question to you is, how much... How much do you put into any kind of records being broken into a sixty-game season? You, I mean, you can't like there. There's gonna you, be, but you can't say you can't. But at the same time, it's kind of messed up. If, if records do. are broken, th- this is definitely gonna have an asterisk. Like, oh, he batted four thirty-five in a regular season. Asterisk, sixty games played. But could be one of those things. But at that point, how much is your average really jumping and 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 decrease? What is the record? Look, let's let's find that out first. Like, what is the MLB record for batting average? Do you I, do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, no, but it's in the four hundreds. Oh no, it says is Hugh Hugh Duffy. I uh, yeah, four thirty nine. Wow, four. Yeah, Hugh Duffy. The question is, how many games did Hugh Duffy play in eighteen ninety four? In 1894, he played – they played 125 games. So, yeah. Okay, he played 125 games. He still didn't even play a full season, and they gave that to him. Now, did he play 125 games, or was it just because it was a shortened season? Like, No, he played 125 games that season. 
Okay, okay, but, but was there right but now. was there one sixty six game schedule? That's what I'm trying to one hundred sixty two game schedule. Nonetheless, no, nonetheless, the Blackman plays the Blackman plays all sixty games and he finishes let's say five twenty one. Are we really gonna sit here and and, and nitpick at that? Is that like he yeah, beat the record by? Absolutely. I don't know. That's a third of the season versus. Yeah, I, I would nitpick the. See, in the modern day, Duffy would have played three fourths of the season, which again, you don't play twenty thirty games. That's a minor injury. You're not playing a hundred and a hundred games. Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it matters. I think you asterisk the hell out of anything, any record. The only record that you don't asterisk, home run records. Well, no, the, the, that's none of that's gonna happen. Exactly. <laughs> Average though, like, it's it's tough. Like uh, unless it's like a, fair enough. It's a statistic that the, it's not based on average. Unless it's like a number statistic about somehow somebody beats the amount of doubles. Or something ridiculous that, yeah, you put a medal on that, you put a crown on that, right? You right, give a, right. You make him the emperor of baseball. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess. Um, my surprising team, just just so you know, was the San Diego Padres. But I had told you that, that in the beginning of the season that I ex- fully expected them to make the playoffs, especially with the expanded season. But they're just they're playing it beyond what I expected. Like I said, they're three games back of the Dodgers, two games back of the Rockies third in the NL West. They actually have the four, the fifth best record in the National League. After the Dodgers and then after the Cubs and then the, the Rockies who are in the division, they actually have the fourth best record. My apologies, fourth best record. And now they have, they're better than any team in the NL West. They're better than any other team in the NL Central aside from the Cubs. And they have 11 wins. So they're looking good. Tati Jr., Lyle, with all due respect to to our guy Judge, he's he's outperforming him so far this season by adding 308 home runs, 18 RBIs, five stolen bases. The only concern with with Tatis Jr. is that he has 28 strikeouts, but the kid's 21 years old, 22 yeah, years see, old. Like it's, it's a child. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you you could give me you could strike out half your at bats. If you're batting 300, that's basically saying you're either gonna get a hit, a home run. Or strike out, and you take that. It's not like he's home run or and strikeout bust. He he's getting on base other ways as well, and he's has five stolen bases on the season. So big props up to the San Diego Padres and Tatis Jr. And surprisingly so because the two guys that they added in Fam and Profar are both batting under 200 each. And then you got Manny Machado, who signed that big contract with them two years ago, as batting 221, but he is batting for power this season with five strike with five home runs and 13 RBI. So big ups to San Diego Padres. The last thing I want to talk about before we dive into some Yankees and Mets. Now, Joe Kelly, pitcher of the Dodgers. Pitches for the Dodgers. Uh, it was Dodgers versus the Houston Astros a little bit over a week ago, and he threw a pitch high and tight at Bregman, and Bregman went on to first base. And, you know, people weren't really that happy about it because it kind of looked like he aimed at the head. And Joe Kelly kind of has a history of this. He did it to the Yankees when we had Austin Tyler – uh, it was that season in 2017 when the Yankees were like 6-14 and 14 to start off the season, and we go up against the Boston Red Sox. We end up fighting them because Joe Kelly throws at Austin Tyler, turns everything around. The Yankees go on the run. That's Judge's like tremendous 50 home run season. That was when we lost to the, the – the, that was the year that the Astros cheated. That was the, when the Astros beat the Yankees in seven to go to the World Series. We actually went to a game, Lyle. 
We went to the game with the uh, it was the, the the game that they won two one against the Indians with the, the bird the with the bird home game. run, huh? Yeah, the Mastercard game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joe Kelly goes ahead and throws at the head of Bregman. Then Carlos Correa comes up and he strikes him out, and and to, to try to keep it as much as PG thirteen as I can, he, he's talking crap to Correa as he's walking off, calling him, you know, uh, offensive terms for a lack of a better term insulting him and they end up getting into it you know they end up not physically but they end up getting into it and joe kelly ends up getting suspended for i think it was what six eight games. games eight games they ended up coming and then being reduced i think six so basically he just missed one start and you know it's 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 kind of upsetting to see manfred just kind of do this and let the the Astros just kind of get away with this. And well, so what were your thoughts on the whole situation? Did you agree with the suspension of, of Joe Kelly? And we'll get into what happened with the, with the athletics right after this. Oh, six games was, I mean, eight games, even reduced to six was ridiculous. That, that translates, that translates to 27 games had it been yeah, 162 game season. That's wild. It's, it's uncalled for He hit one guy on the shoulder, you know, he, he threw a high end inside, you know, if he plunks him in the head, sure. But you can't. Yeah, was, just aim at the. Yeah, he just he just missed him. He didn't hit him. Actually, my apologies for that. So yeah, he, hit him. Yeah. he just it was a ball four, but the fourth ball was at the head. Yeah, well, I th- I think it looked like he just lost control of that. But he has a history of doing it. And let's say yeah. I think he did it on purpose. I don't think he meant to aim for the head. I do think he tried to hit him though. That's the thing. I I I think it was ridiculous how many how many games he got for for that but you know it's it's that's what that's what baseball that's the line baseball is going to tell yep and it yep. is what it is and then we have the situation with the athletics ramon loreno of the athletics outfielder for the Madrid field he was hit three times in the series now it's the last game of the series i forget who was out who was out on the mound for the houston astros but loreno uh, Loreano got hit for the third time and ended up slamming his bat on the floor, looked at the pitcher. I, like I said, I forget who the pitcher was. Walks to first base, and then apparently batting coach of the Houston Astros, Centrone, was mouthing off to him. Loreano wasn't having it, rushes towards the, the Houston bench, and both benches clear, and then a brawl breaks out. Centrone gets 20 games. Loreano gets four games. He'll gladly take that. I'm pretty sure he was pretty heated at that point. But what did you make of that situation? To me, I have a lot to say about it. I mean, it just shows the Astros are the softest organization of the league. It's just like, how are you going to talk smack to someone you keep hitting with with a, with a pitch? It was how, a like, batting coach, not even a also, yeah, what What's a batting coach? Like, yeah, he's going to get frustrated. At least he didn't charge the bound. He didn't take it as malicious. He's just frustrated getting hit. And then a batting coach is gonna talk smack. What's the last time you played baseball, bro? Fifty years ago, <laughs> with a base with a with a stick? Like, come on. And then and then when um, the the A's player was like, yeah, the Astros coaches are protecting their soft players. Like, yeah, that's great. And also, the, they they should have honestly just let him go and hit the coach in the face. The Astros catcher, Astros backup catcher, tackled him. So yeah, I mean, like, the, to... it was just. Yeah, the, the Astros might be the softest baseball team in the league, and they should they should they should just get rid of that entire team. Just this, fold, this, fold them over. This tells me one very very important thing: it's that players and teams are not afraid at getting suspended by Manfred. They don't care. They don't care because no. after Joe Kelly got a ridiculous suspension for just basically throwing at the head of a player, not even hitting him, 
you know, that kind of that Manfred at the league was kind of like everyone, us, including us, we're like, whoa, like maybe players aren't going to go hit the Astros anymore because they know that a big suspension is pending. No, Morano, I mean, even though he had a right, a right reason to do it, he got hit, plus he got, he was getting talked to by the coach. Players and teams are not going to be afraid. They're going to continue to go after Houston. And I'm loving it because everyone thought that this was kind of going to take a back burner with the whole COVID thing happening. But that's not the case right now. I'm loving what's going on with MLB and how this was still just going after the Astros. And I can't wait. Like, I hope something happens between us and them. Or even, like, Boston and them. Like, it would be just great. We have to see, continue to see teams go after the Astros that they, the way that the, the Athletics and the Dodgers have been so far. Let's move now, on here. Let's move on here. Was saying, this is a good time for, like, the Yankees and the Red Sox to add, like, just bring a hockey player into the, <laughs> the 40. Well, the, the Red Sox pur- could do it. They're pretty bad as it is. Yeah, for the sole purpose of just absolutely rocking someone's day. And a forcer. Oh, yeah. And a forcer. Yeah, you know, one of, one of the Bash Bros. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's move on here to a Yankee spotlight here. And right now, the Yankees are sitting – Right now, the Yankees are sitting atop of the AL East with a 13-6 and record. They have one game less than the Oakland Athletics. Athletics are 14-6, and but nonetheless, the Yankees are in second place in the AL East. Surprisingly, the Orioles are 11-8. and The Rays are 12-9. and Fully expect them to kind of grab a hold of that second seed there. And the Blue Jays are seven and nine with the Boston Red Sox rounding out the AL East at six and fourteen. Right now, Lyle, let's start off with the obvious. If it wasn't for Garrett Cole and the acquisition of him this offseason, the Yankees would not be the Yankees will be pretty much a disappointment this year. He's sitting at four and 2.76 ERA, only nine runs allowed in twenty-nine innings, has just above a ten uh ten K over nine innings, which is about third best of his career so far. And his whip is 0.85, which is the second best of his career so far. What has Garen Cole just been able to do in, 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 and with what he's been able to do, how important is it for the Yankees to continue to just support him with run support as he's pretty much the only vocal point in that starting rotation right now? Yeah, I mean, again, I watched, I watched the game yesterday. Uh, I had one of the homies over. We cooked a nice spread. We had a nice charcuterie. Then some pork chops, mashed potatoes, and Brussels sprouts. It was a nice Some time. wine, wine or whiskey. Uh, we did uh, we did uh, Negronis and then Negronis. Uh, did, oh, really Italian last night. Oh, not even not just Negronis. I made some. Uh, I have like a cube, uh, not cube, like ice ball molds, and uh-huh. I made Negroni ice balls too. Nice. So when nice. the ice cube melted, it didn't get watered down. It just got more alcohol. I like I like to go for a Negroni once in a while. I, I, it has to be really like made specifically. If you're not getting it at a cocktail bar or making it yourself at home, I wouldn't recommend it getting anywhere else. Yeah, like I I know how to. I'm a pro. What can I say? But I digress. Yeah, I get, you know, uh, run support, support for any pitcher. But, um, yeah, we, we have to make sure that when Cole puts in good starts, we win those starts. Um, and he's going to give you an opportunity to win almost every time. Again, he hasn't lost in, what, 35 games. He's won, you know, it's either win or no decision. So he's going to give you the opportunity to win. Uh, and we have, we have to win his games. Like, there's no option. Um, and yeah, that, that's a, what it comes down to. Like yesterday, we're great. We gave him the run support. We gave him a big cushion so he can actually get the win when our bullpen did bullpen things. Yep. And um, yeah, it's very important we win a starts. Yeah, and, and, and Tanaka's been pitching fine. Montgomery has been pitching fine. Paxson is the one that's kind of worrisome. 
He's lost what four up to four miles per hour of juice on his fastball. Do you think it's mainly because of him coming back from the back injury that he had this all season? Which, by the way, remember when we recorded uh, that episode after the uh, the off season, and how it was like two months passed and no one even knew Paxton was hurt, and apparently he's getting a surgery. Like, how come yeah. he didn't get it at the ending of the postseason when the Yankees got kicked out? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's because he hasn't been able to warm up his arm in the traditional length that he usually does in the offseason. Which which do you think it is, if any, of those two at all? I just – I just, I think, yeah, I mean, back injuries are never fun. Um, I think he's still recovering from that. I just don't think he's also – I don't think he's that great. I think he I think he might have hit his peak and he's on the downs. No, nah, he's 29 years old. He's still got plenty of years left. I, yeah, I, do, I, think, I think it's because he had injury history before. I think it was that. And you know what? If that's the case, then shame on the Yankees for allowing him to not have done the surgery two months prior. Like, your season ended in October. Why is he getting the surgery in January? You know what I mean? Like, you had two months to get it done. And I think, if, if, if honestly, if he doesn't fix himself this year, and that ultimately ends up being the reason why, because let's say, what, he's already four starts in. If at the point of his seventh and eighth start, he doesn't get that juice back from his fastball, he's not getting it back this year. And at that point, I think it's just injury-related, and shame on the Yankees for, for doing that. Now, one of the next points I wanted to talk on here was Gary Sanchez, but you know what, Lyle, let's let's agree, whether to agree to disagree or agree to agree, Sanchez started off the season horrendous, and it came to a point where we actually started to think about benching him. This is not the Sanchez of previous seasons where you'll deal with the strikeouts and the horrible the swings and the 240 average, as long as he was giving you decent plate appearance behind the plate and the home runs. He wasn't doing that this year, but he has two home runs in the last three games. He's batting, I think it's like 270 in the last three games as well. He's hitting his stride. Let's just, let's not jinx it. Let's just be quiet. You agree? Yeah. Again, I was actually having a pretty long Gary Sanchez conversation last night. Um, and I think as, I'll be fine. As I was talking smack about his defensive abilities, he throws the runner out at second. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, like he's he, and he, he he framed a very good game yesterday. Oh yeah. With, I mean, listen, I know Cole's gonna get his call. Bad day and day. I there was a couple of uh, of of outside pitches that just the little bit the just. That sense is just enough to get like that outside yeah, like corner. That's, that that was the big argument we were having was is Gary's potential upside on offense worth his deficiencies in Absolutely. calling games, in calling games, and his you know his not great at defense. Also, will his offense hit the peaks we know it can? That's that's like again that was a big debate with Posada, but Posada could call games and Posada could hit. Now, could he throw runners out a second? Very rarely. No, could he make it down first base in ten seconds? Absolutely not. That's the thing. It, it's at the moment again. Gary's on his yeah. contract. Uh, you know, he's on a not a huge contract. Yep. I think we we feel him out, but you know, he's gotta show some consistency if we're gonna dump some good money. Yep. Now, here's the issue with the Yankees. It's been the issue the past two years. It's been the issue since they've gotten Stanton. Judge missed the last two games, and Boone had came out and had just said. Just some rest. You know, he tweaked a little muscle on, on the calf, and we're just going to go ahead and see how things go. Turns out after he missed the second game, Boone comes out and said, retrospect to Wednesday, they're going to put him on a 10-day IL. Now, it's a little bit worrisome because, listen, I get it. You know, Judge hurt his rib because he dove to catch a ball. He broke his wrist because he got hit with a fastball. 
his injuries are fluky, and I get it. But at what point do we just sit here, Lyle, and say, maybe this is just the player that judges. Maybe he's a guy who's only going to give you 80 to 100 games a season. He's going to be the best player on the field. He's going to be the best player of baseball during that span. You're just not going to get 162 out of him. When do we start to say that, or or should we wait to see how he comes back from this? Because if he does come back as a 10-day DL stint, he comes back and he goes back to his beasts of a stats, which were nine home runs, 18 hits, batting 290, 20 RBI with 16 runs scored in. He's basically the league MVP at this point. If the season was to end right now, he'd be the AL MVP. There's no question about it. Not Trout. Judge would be. But when do we sit here and start questioning, you know, Judge's health? I mean, already. We should already be doing that. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, some of it's fluky. But look at look at um Phil Hughes, Carl Pavano, even Stanton. Like, there comes a time where they get injured so consistently in such weird ways. Greg like, Berg for recently. Yeah, like, you know, call, like where it's Pavano coughed and broke a rib. Flukes. But they add up. That, you know, sometimes your body just fails you. Now, are we going to stop? It's just going to stop us from paying him when it comes contract time. Maybe, no. maybe he's, no. Yes, definitely. I don't. Th- I don't. I think it might give us. He's going to be thirty years old by the time he's a free agent, and the Yankees really going to go there and give. They'll tell him, "Listen, we'll give you your money, but we're only going to give it to you for three, four years." Yeah, we're not going to give him the years. All right, but I then, I, but he's going to be smart enough to know that he needs that extra two, three years. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a team that's going to need a player like Judge is going to do it. I'm not worried yet. I I'm a wait. I'm a wait. I'm a wait for this ten day IL to pass. If he ends up being retroactive for another ten days or another twenty days, then I'll be worried. Right now, just a mild calf strain, according to Boone. Let's see if he comes back. He doesn't miss a beat. I'm cool with it. The guy that just, I'm worried about is the next guy, which is Stanton. Yeah, well, Stanton again. That's so that's why I just mentioned him. He's chronic, chronically injured again. Bot people's bodies just fail them. Unlike St- unlike Judge though, Stanton's not as marketable. See, Judge is the the, the face of the Yankees franchise yeah. right now. So like you kind of he has the leverage. Stanton, it is what it is. Like we're stuck with him for a few more years, but after that we we do not sign him. Yep. No and, chance we touch him. And, and Stanton was having a pretty decent start to the season, batting two ninety three with three home runs. Initially, it was just a mild strain on the hamstring, but. Boone but came out and said that it's, it's it's going to be more serious than that, and he's he's more likely he's most likely to miss four weeks, Lyle, and it's just it's a shame. But you know what's not a shame? The fact that guys like Talkman and Frazier, despite what the Yankee community continues to say about Frazier, I mean, him and Talkman have just come to play this year. Talkman is playing tremendous defense, batting three forty three, six runs scored. Four stolen bases. He's basically a better version of Garner. And Frazier, since since being called up because of the judge injury, he's batting 500 with four home runs and four hits. Now, granted, he only has eight at-bats and has three strikeouts in those at-bats. But what Talkman and Frazier have been able to do, if Stanton doesn't play for the rest of the year, I'm kind of fine with both of those guys rotating on left field. Yeah, again, I, you, you'd rather have Stanton because, you know, you, you get something with Stanton that you can't get with almost anyone else in this league in terms of power. But, you know, it, it's good that we have ready-made red replacements and substitutes. We're, we're, we're deep, which is nice. So, again, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be upset if Stanton couldn't play. He does add another dimension, especially when you have Judge and Stanton back-to-back. That's – a horrifying prospect, yep, yep. especially when LeMayu's batting what, 430-something. Yep. But, 
you know, yeah, you it's it's not the end of the world of Stan can't play. Yep, yep. With so with with Tanaka, DJ LeMahieu, and Paxton all becoming free agents at the end of the year. If you had, if you had say, let's say you you're put your GM cap on here, hypothetically speaking, if we were to sign, if we couldn't sign all three, what is your order of importance to the Yankees to resign between those three players? DJ, the other two. Okay. So DJ is your main priority. I, I put it as 1A, 1B between DJ and Tanaka. Oh, never mind. I lied. He did Yeah, sign. I don't think there he is. Know. Yeah, I, I put it as 1A and 1B for uh, DJ and Tanaka. Paxton, I would oh. like. So uh, the thing is with Paxton, if he could kind of get right, I'm fine with resigning him next year. Here's my thing. If, as long as we bring back Tanaka and DJ and if Paxton is the one that we have to let go, I'm perfectly fine with it because people are forgetting we still have Severino coming back next year. Obviously, he wasn't going to play this year with the surgery, so – I'm kind of fine with with letting Paxton go if 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 it comes down to those three. Yeah, I'm, now, I'm good. I'm go good with that. Especially, sorry, the real starting pitcher of free agents this coming year: Kluber, Bauer, Arietta, Stroman, uh, Jose Quintana. It's not Stroman a bad Stroman with Stroman. I mean, we could get him for a price. That'd be perfect. I mean, he loves the Yankees. He grew up a Yankee fan. And Bauer is another one to think about Bauer. It's not a bad. I don't think Bauer would fit here with his. I'm just saying it's it's not a bad free agent class. To look at. It's not. It's actually pretty pretty good. Now, we mentioned Stroman. He plays in the Mets. He opted out. What Stroman did was very smart, and it was such a Metsy thing for them for thing to happen to them. Stroman got hurt in the beginning of the year, like you knew that we, as, as we knew Lyle, we said that was one of the, the vocal part, parts of that starting pitching staff. It only left them with the Grom after that. Now, he wouldn't have been a free agent had he not accrued, I think it was two weeks, right? Or was it like a certain amount of games? So what he did was he went on the IL for the Mets. He got his, he, he, he did his 10 days to accrue this year and then told the Mets, I'm opting out. So now he's officially a free agent because had he opted out before this season started, he would have still been stuck on the Mets next year. Yeah. So what he did was very smart. Obviously, you know that he doesn't want to be there. I don't think he ever did. When he knew he was getting traded to New York, a thousand percent, a thousand percent sure that he wanted to make sure it was the Yankees and ended up being the Mets. Now, Cespedes did the same thing. Now, the Cespedes story is a lot crazy. You want to shed some light on that, Lyle, and give us a little breakdown of what happened there? You want the uh, <laughs> way or the way I saw it? The way you saw it. Well, here's here's how I saw it. I believe that the way I saw it, I fully believe that Cespedes informed the Mets at some point that he was opting out. I don't believe he just dipped. And the Mets wanted to make uh, Cespedes look like trash. Before you continue, he basically did the same He accrued enough time yeah. just to be a free agent next year. Yeah. I don't believe that they – I think the Mets are just trying to throw shade at Cespedes because he basically was like, you know what, I don't want to be here. You know, played his games, then did. I believe Mets knew and then threw all that PR flack at them in the most Metsy way possible. And it was like, oh, he didn't tell us. He just disappeared. He's unreliable. No one's going to want to have him on his team. It's like, all right, Mets, you just lost another one. Like, this is why no one wants to play for you ever. But it, it was funny how it played out in the media, how, like, nobody knows where he is. Everyone thinks he's dead. Oh, no, he's okay. He just opted out and disappeared. And he didn't tell us. Like, no, he told you. We know he told you. Right. Mets are uh, currently sitting third in the a in the NL West. 
if the playoffs were to start today, they would actually be um, – I think they would be the eighth seed. So it's not really saying much because they have a four, uh, 444 winning percentage. But nonetheless, I mean, they could still make a run. Now, here, here's – as a Mets fan, here's where I'm concerned. As we know, the Wolfpons are trying to sell the team. If you're Brody Van Wagenen, right, and if you're a Mets fan, are you scared that the Wolfpons are going to tell Brody? Because I don't think Brody's going to get another job after this. I think he's doing a horrible job as a, as a GM. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Mets fan. From what I've seen, from what I've heard, from what I see, the moves that they're doing, how he handles situations, how he talks to the media as if he's like the boss. I just don't like the way he kind of carries himself. Lyle, should Mets fans be scared if the Wolfpons go to Brody and tell him, hey, we're selling the team next year? Okay, this is going to be our last year as Mets owners. Sell the farm system. Get us another pitcher. Get us another bat. Let's try to win it this year. Are you kind of are, are you worried as a fan that they may mortgage their future for this year? Which who can they possibly even trade for that's going to put them over the top at this that's point? That's the thing. I, I don't think that it's possible. I th- yeah. I, I yeah. But it doesn't mean that they won't try. Which you should be know. scared that they I will. I don't think they will even bother trying. I don't think the Wolfpons care enough. I think they just want to make their cut. I disagree. I think the team is. I think the team won't be more or less valuable either way. With extended playoffs, they're in the playoffs as we speak. So. Yeah, but they they know their team is garbage. Do they? Do they really? Because I don't think Mets fans even know that Mets fans think they win the World Series every year. The big thing for the Wilpons is I need to make my nut, and no matter what, they're going to make their money. Yeah. But World Series or not, good team or not. So yeah. I don't think they I don't think he gets that directive. And I don't think he takes that directive because he wants to get hired by whoever owns it again. Right, which right, happen, right. Which right, is not gonna happen. Right. All right, enough of baseball talk. Let's recap the NBA bubble real quick, Lyle. Now, for those of you who are listening, if you made it this far throughout the episode, we appreciate you. Make sure you press that subscribe button on all listening apps and websites that you may be listening to us on. We are going to give you guys an exclusive NBA prediction playoff. We may give you that one or two games in already into the first round, but nonetheless, I don't think things will change our thoughts at that point. Now, let's recap the bubble real quick. There were a lot of players. TJ Warren absolutely balled out for the Indiana, uh, the Indianapolis, the Scrum. Indiana Pacers. Uh, actually, Scrum. it's kind of funny. I saw an uh, interview between Rachel Nichols and Jimmy Butler. Butler was like, okay, good for him. Like, I can't wait to play them. I can't wait because, as yeah. you know, him and Tucker kind of have that beef going back to the last time they paid back in March. Um, Devin Booker, future Nick Devin Booker, absolutely balled out. The Suns went 8-0. and And as you know, Portland went 6-2. and with the Pelicans completely dropping the ball with Zion coming in, not in shape. The Grizzlies kind of dropped the ball as well, but they were able to hold on. This The NBA couldn't have asked for a better situation. There was a possible four teams that could have made that eighth seed and a possible four teams that could have made the ninth seed. Ultimately, Portland holds on to the eighth seed with a one-point victory against the Nets where Levert almost hit that game winner. The Grizzlies hold down that knife seed and they will be having a playing game. What were your thoughts on the bubble in general, Lyle? Were you excited? Could the NBA have had asked for a better ending on the last game? Because it basically came out to the last game between Portland and the, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, honestly, the bubble has been surprisingly fun. Um, I like watching this basketball that I did stadium basketball. I, I, I like, I'm, I, I like watching basketball, but like, again, it's, 40, was it, 46 minutes to watch the last two. 
but like I love watching these games through and through because it, I feel like the players are more comfortable playing without the crowd, and I think they're having more fun with it because they don't have like the boos and the cheers. Like don't get me wrong, like sometimes the energy gets up, but these they're just bawling. It's like they're playing at a, at a schoolyard almost, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. With the Western Conference, as you said, there's a bunch of teams in competition. The Spurs, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Trailblazers all had opportunities to lock in that playoff game, the playing game, and obviously the Grizzlies and Damian, the Damian Lillards uh, did get into the playing game, which is happening today in six minutes. Uh, as you can tell, we're recording this on Saturday, so... Uh, you know, it's about to be game time. Yeah, and listen, it's it's that's listen, that's gonna obviously by the time you guys are hearing this, we probably may already have the playing game. There may be a force game by tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you uh, the, the Trailblazers are gonna win. I'm just letting you know now, so that when you read lots of those, you're like, oh man, I wonder who they could win. <laughs> yeah, like, I, oh, I think the Blazers win. I think the Blazers win. I think the Blazers win. Some news out of Portland actually just breaking a few minutes ago. Uh, Joseph Joseph Nurkic, his grandmother actually just died of COVID. Hopefully that oh, so doesn't. It's probably definitely going to happen. He's putting up a triple double in honor of Chima. Let's be real. He, so, what are your worries then with Portland now? Because I mean, you know what? We'll get into it when we talk about the playoff prediction. Uh, my prediction is I think Portland makes it. I think they're going to end up winning. And I also think I want a little side note here. I think the Suns going eight and zero and not making it is the best thing that could happen to them because I think they would have gotten swept or they would have oh, yeah. gotten demolished in the playing game. But them going eight and zero, Devin Booker showing out. Please, please bring him to New York because we need a player like Devin Booker here. He that guy could just bowl and he's still still extremely young and he's just gonna be a superstar in this league. You could just see. But if he's not in the right market, who knows how he may turn out. Now, like I said, stay in, in tune for the next episode of J and J Talk Sports Podcast. Make sure you follow the podcast page on Instagram and Twitter at J&J Talk Sports. And make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes podcast app. I am one of your two co-hosts, Justin, quote-unquote, Skywalker Pelosi. No no more Mr. Unlimited. You can follow me on Twitter at Pelizzi21. That's P-O-L-I-Z-Z-I-21. Uh, and I, as always, it's your boy, Lyle Style, L-Y-L-E-S-S-T-Y-L-E. Um, you can find me on Twitter and then add a 512 on Instagram. You can also call me Mr. 3001, you know, Mr. Limited and uh, uh, Limited. Space, Space Odyssey 1983. Wu-Tang. And, and yeah, Wu-Tang. I am the, uh, the ghost of ODB. He is inside me. Pause. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, yeah, speaking of that, I just I watched a press conference recently, an old one, where um, Clint Capella is talking about uh, – uh, you know, playing from the tip to the end. And James Harden just looks at him and goes, pause. I'm like, wait, you can't do that on national TV? But, but yeah, we're going to talk about basketball next time. So we'll see you later. Later.